Welcome to Popcorn for One, your fortnightly film podcast. Grab your popcorn and sit comfortably, be it at home, on the sofa, in your bed, at a friend's, at your local independent cinema or at your multiplex IMAX. We're here to celebrate all film and fandom and everything in between. From the past and the classics to the weird in the now to the future of cinema. We're here, and so is Cinema Club 2024, to help you through the next 12 months of unbelievable movie magic. It is Wednesday. 17th of January 2024. Welcome to Popcorn for One, your fortnightly film podcast and the start of Cinema Club 2024. Besties, welcome to season four. Yes, we're here. And oh, oh we've got stuff to talk about, we do. This fortnight's episode is bad average length really next week will be longer don't worry um so this fortnight we are going to do the rundown for the last two weeks we are then going to talk about what won at the golden globes we're then going to talk about the last month's worth of home and cinema viewing for all of you guys because we missed that out when we did um last fortnight's um podcast because it was the awards one and then we have got this fortnight's big review which is spoiler filled but it is about real life so that is why it's spoiler filled you can find it out on google what happens in it so and you could have found it out for the last well nearly 80 years ish well not that google existed then, but you know what i mean so this intro is also taking too long so yeah we will crack on and we can just have a fantastic episode and we can start cinema club 2024 the right way time for everyone's favorite part of the podcast it's staying of course it's staying what did you take me for of course it's gonna be here it's the rundown yes it is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve films. Considering I've been busy and hung over at points, I'm impressed. I did a good job. And I've watched a lot of telly. Oh, mainly because um the Traitors UK um season two has started and that is oh, it's so good. It's left us on a cliffhanger on Friday. Um, for people that haven't watched it, I'm not going to talk about it. But oh my god, it left us on a cliffhanger. I was just like, no, 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 don't you dare, don't, don't walk away. And yeah, yeah, this is something that we've all talked about. We've all traitors in UK is on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, which makes sense. Um, the first week they dropped all of the episodes onto iPlayer after episode one was done, so you could watch it at your own speed. Last week, while it was on, on the Wednesday, which no one realised was going on online, um, they announced that, oh, by the way, we're not dropping the next two episodes onto iPlayer. And everyone went, what do you mean we can't watch it? Because my plan was to um, watch two episodes on the Wednesday night and then watch one on Thursday because I knew that I was going to be busy Friday. So I then went on to iPad afterwards and clicked on it and went, well, where's the traitors? And it wasn't there. I was like, what do you mean it's not there? So it's actually affecting when I go to the cinema. I'm doing a 
lot of weekend viewing soon um because i need to watch for traitors especially um next week because next week's the finale so there might only be like two days next week when i go to the movies and be like hang on so i'm hoping that stuff's out on friday and what's it that's why i'm doing weird days this week at the cinema <coughs> i'm going to one film that's on something like 20 past seven in the evening what kind of time is that for a film oh well it's all because I want to see if someone's going to win £120,000. I'm pretty sure um, that one person's going to win it and it's going to be a traitor. But I, I'd i like to be proved wrong. I love jazz. Jazz is fucking insane. He's brilliant. Um, but, yeah. That's not why you're here. You're not here to hear me talk about traitors, are you? You're here for me to talk about these 13 films that I've been watching. Um, So, New Year's Day, woke up dying, hung up over also with um not just a hangover headache but another headache as well there was two going on because there were different things that meant i felt different ways so i just napped the entire day and then went to my parents and watched football <laughs> but when i did get out of bed and got onto the sofa for my nap i found mrs doubtfire i sat on the sofa and my first film of the year that i watched was mrs doubtfire and it was lovely and it was so sweet and it's just like, oh, this is so beautiful, and yeah, oh, I get this, and oh, it was just, oh, yeah. All my love to you, Poppet. You're going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine. Bye-bye. It's a run by footing. Oh, the whole thing is fabulous. Oh, I miss you, Robin. I still do that. See, I think the anniversary is this year, 10th, which is going to be a bit like, oh. So, yeah, no, bless it. Sorry, I don't know why. I've done it. This is one thing I've not learned yet about my new laptop because I'm recording this on here. Um, it goes off with a little notification whenever someone WhatsApps me, and I've not worked out how to turn it off yet. So, if someone could tell me, that'd be lovely. Oh, the group chat is going off, so you might not be able to hear it, but it's going off down the bottom. I can see it, and it's making a little plinking noise at me. So, also, yeah. Also, I've tried to record this with the volume off and it sounds rubbish. <laughs> so I would either need to buy a microphone to do that or, yeah, I need to work out how to turn it off. Anyhow, I digress. Um, then I went to my parents um, to watch more football the next night and they was I was flicking their channels and all the Spider-Man films were on there. So I watched Spider-Man 2 um, for the majority of it up to the point where um, he's about to kill Peter Parker um where harry is so that was cool um you don't take for granted how good toby Maguire was and how much without that we don't get the mcu <laughs> it's yeah it's so good and yeah good on him oh good on spider-man then I went to the cinema for the first trip of 2024 and I saw One Life as it's the opening film that I saw at the cinema. It is this fortnight's big review, so we'll move on from then. Then, um, once I'd finished watching the Traitors and doing a few other bits, um, I saw that The Good Liar was on BBC One and I thought, no, I'm going to get on and I'm going to do stuff, I'm going to do this, that, and blah, 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 blah. And I didn't, and I sat there until about quarter past 12 watching The Good Liar, even though I have it on DVD and I've watched it countless times. But it's... <sighs> Russell Tobey's just so good in that film. How Russell Tobey didn't get a BAFTA nomination for Supporting Actor, I have no idea. But McKellen and Mirren are on point, and it's just... <sighs> 
Oh, it's fabulous. It's fabulously dark and horrible, but it's fabulous. I love it. <sighs> yeah, I've talked about it quite a bit on here. And it's so interesting that you assume it's one thing and then it's actually the other. It's just like, yeah. And there are so many clues throughout the film to let you know. So when you watch it the second time, you go, ah, I get it. So, yeah. Then um, I didn't watch this in the cinema. It had a very limited release. And the one cinema that was showing it here was only showing it at like 2 o'clock on a Wednesday. And I was like, that's not useful to me. Why aren't you on um, on a Monday at 8 o'clock for your £3 or even on a Saturday at 6pm? Nope. Midweeks at retirement age showing. Looking like, oh, I hate you sometimes. So I watched on Netflix Bradley Cooper's Maestro, um, which was weird when it started off in black and white and then went into colour. Um, Bradley was really good and his directing has improved since The Star is Born, which is saying a lot because his directing The Star is Born was so good. Um, and he had a much bigger and much more oh my god cast to actually control with individual actors whereas in stars born you only really had about 10 maybe 20 whereas this is a lot more people plus it goes over multiple years and multiple times it's not just in like a small little set period like um star is born was um carrie mulligan was really good um i obviously i do know a little bit about him but not that much um when he's in the church that's a phenomenal scene um, but I think that would have worked better in a cinema for the sound. Um, it did look good, but the sound would have made it so much better. I was like, ah, oh, ah. But it was still enjoyable. He will be the actor that probably is um, missed out um, in the Oscar list, if anyone is. Um, but it all depends which way the Academy want to go. I'm still not entirely decided. And this... The announcement's coming up soon, and I don't know which way the Academy are going to go for their nominees, because there's one of three different ways they can go. When it happens, I'll let you know. Um, but, yeah, um, it was an interesting film. But there was one person like, why are we doing this, and was that a big deal about them? Because I didn't know much about him. I learned bits about him, but nothing more than... Um, what you could get from the first four pages of wikipedia <laughs> um that felt a bit like okay i wanted a bit more i wanted a few more like ah moments there was a brilliant act off um at the end of act two which was like oh. but at points it just felt a little bit disjointed also halfway through i was sitting there i was like his daughter's played by the girl that's um rock in sex and the city <laughs> um in the reboot of that i was like oh my god so yeah no um maestro is worth your time but i think i should have done a bit more research before i watched it to understand it a little bit more <sighs> something that i thought i might need to do research for was um priscilla which i went to the cinema to see on a saturday morning um it is about priscilla presley's um life when she meets elvis um and her life with elvis and it, jacob elroy is elvis um and sat around and said well we know that this happens and that happens and blah, blah, blah. so it'd be interesting to see how it goes on and for a film that's so like oh this is beautiful and it's so wonderfully set and everyone's praising it and laughing over it 
And it got to one point and something happened. I was like, okay, so Act 3 is now about to start, right? And then it ended and I was like, I'm sorry, what? We spent so long divvying about and... I knew... See, I thought I would have to do more research on Priscilla. It turns out I did too much. I was sitting there busy going, well, why aren't we going to see this? And why aren't we doing that? And it just... Oh, I mean, there's so many red flags within that. It was just like, oh my god, why the fuck? I understand why, but why the fuck, love? Oh, it's just, oh. oh, I get that Elvis is in, I do, but it's just. The oh. Tarantino also sponsored the start of it because there was a long and a few shots straight at her feet, which was like, oh, okay, <laughs> but. It's two hours of my life I won't get back. There will be people that absolutely adore that and go like, oh, it was beautifully shot and the period was right and this was down to the point and whatever, but I learned nothing. I didn't feel stressed at any point because I knew it was going to happen like this and knew that was going to happen. I was waiting to find something else out more than I could find. Again, Bradley Cooper's film... You needed to have read more than the first four pages of Wikipedia. For sinners, you only needed to read the first three. (laughs) Yeah, that was one of the best hour or two hours. So then I've been trying to find for a little while um, Terminator Two: Judgment Day. I remember watching it at school. I'm not sure why we watched it in history, but we did. But. And since then, I haven't seen it. And I've always been sitting there going, I must see her Terminator 2 again. I must see it. Uh, and then it's on now TV. So I was like, yes, that will do. So I sat down for the two and a bit hours and I watched Terminator 2. And it was good and it was interesting and the whole dynamics about it. And yeah, I always knew that Arnie was going to turn up as a good guy. And the relationship with John Connor and Sarah, Sarah was all good. And they killed Xander Barkley. <laughs> Bless him. We've well, probably got 24 off the back of that, so a good man, although that's probably, what, 10 years later, but, you know. Um, but the final showdown, along with the first Terminator film, went on for far too long. It was right, and we get to the thing, and they blow up, and the Terminator's gone. And then we're going to have a chase, and then we're going to freeze it. Then it's going to heat up, and it's going to come back again. Then it's going to do this, and we're going to do that. It takes forever, and then you eventually get this Terminator into the molten pit for him to melt and die and do all of that and then Arnie goes right I have to go as well I'll be back and he does the infamous thumbs up thing um and then falls into then is dropped into lava himself and he's just like are we done (laughs) yeah it's just like really we're still okay other than that it was fucking fabulous (laughs) Um, so many action films are built on based on what that is, and obviously it's the first time we give a hasta la vista, baby. And yeah, it was up until the never-ending finale part of Act Three. It was good. It was very good. Yeah. So that was Terminator Two. Um, then I watched. Um, I'm still trying to get through all my Black Mirrors. <laughs> my aim for this year is to be um, at least with, maybe with two seasons left of Black Mirror because it's just things that I go like. Oh. Also now at the point where they're longer, so it's going to be more of a case. Okay, so 
I watched Black Mirror of White Christmas, which was for John Hamm and um, Rafe's, Rafe's Ball um, episode, which started off being all like, oh, okay, yeah, this is funny. And then, like, oh, that's weird. And I was like, oh, God. And I was like, oh, shit. <sighs> that's all what Black Mirror is. So it's the um, eye lenses where they teach men to date and basically they all peep on all the men they teach to date um, end up having sex with other women. But it ends up being that woman is depressed and he's been talking about wanting to be free as well. And he's talking to himself, which she believes is him talking to the voices instead. So she kills them both. Then he's already previously set up this thing where um, they take the microprogramming inside your head, which is because it's Black Mirror, it's a thing. And um, they train that to be a personal assistant and they manipulate time. And it turns out that they've been doing this to Rafe Spall's character with his little mind thing um, over the case of a couple of hours um, to tell him about, um, to find out if he murdered his um father his ex-father-in-law um because he realized that his daughter wasn't his which was a which is really weird way again about it but yeah um but it's very macabre and very dark but it's black mirror so of course that's gonna be the case but it's well worth a watch again black mirror is not something you want to want to watch before you go to bed but <sighs> probably makes me a bad person then it was time to finally watch the boy in the striped pajamas i've read the book so I was full on ready to completely blub my eyes out. And I did cry and a few tears fell at the finale when you actually saw, well, you didn't see it happen, but you knew it was going to happen. And it all then went black and there was all the screaming, which then died. And then it was just that room with all the stuff and it was, oh, oh God. It was so sad. I forgot the kid was ate to Butterfield. Um, but oh, we were friends in that as well. But it's painful. But the whole thing was painful uh, <laughs> because that was absolutely horrendous what they did to people, and no one should ever be treated like that, no matter who they are, or where they come from, or what they believe, or what they do. No one, everyone should just be able to live their life happily and just get on with it and just not upset anyone else. Just let them be. They were doing, oh. and the kid's so innocent. It's just, yeah. I had a bit of a cry. I didn't have a foot on blood like I did when I finished the book, but I had a cry, definitely. Then I went to the cinema on my sister's birthday. My sister, my little one, turned for three zero. But she was out for a dinner with her husband on her actual birthday, so I went to the cinema instead. And I went to go and see The Beekeeper, which is the new Jason Statham action film. Um, that film is what Equalizer 3 wanted to be last year, 100%. Uh, obviously, Josh Hutchison's in, so that was good. It's always good that he was in before the beekeeper came out, which will then make him even more in. Um, there's some brilliant deaths in it. There's bombs and bodies going off all over the place, and there's clever things. There's a couple of twists along the way, um, and a couple of other people that you're not expecting to pop up in it and go, oh, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. Um, and then... It doesn't need it up for a sequel, but if Jason Statham decided actually I'd like to come back and be a beekeeper again, then there's an opportunity for Jason Statham to come back and be a beekeeper again. Definitely. So I watched that. I had popcorn for the first time in like four months as well, which was nice. Um, and uh, I then got home and I made my dinner and I sat. And as I ate, I put on The Truman Show. 
which is my sister's favorite film of the year and um i can now tell you all this um for her birthday i got her a box of 30 things that are for her or that we can do or that she can do or things like that lando is petrified of an inflatable cow bless her um but i got her the pin badge from the truman show which says how's it going to end and she had a little bit of like, oh my god you got me yes she's like i don't know where i'm gonna put it i'm like good work to work she's like yeah it's not necessarily the best thing to do i'm like yeah but you are a geography teacher that is a good point um obviously there's a this is us and all around here bg it's so good oh it's so good it's ridiculously good that film no wonder it's our favorite film of all time because it's just phenomenal then on saturday um Saturday and Sunday um, in the evenings, didn't watch any films, was out, did stuff for sister's birthday over those days, and then I had stuff to catch up on on Sunday. Um, so on Saturday, when I got up at lunchtime, um, I was busy sitting there, I was having breakfast, and I was flicking my chairs, and I found, for the first time in ages, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, we love you, um, from the point where he um, sells the dog sweets um, to the end, and it is weird. And it is odd, but it was weird that I was watching it and I was listening to some of the songs in it. I was like, I've not heard this song in at least 15 years, and yet I'm busy singing the song about grandpa. Because you know, we can all sing Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, We Love You, or Truly Scrumptious, You're Truly, Truly Scrumptious, or Lollipops, Get Your Lollipops, Get Your Lollipops, or um, what's it? You're my little muffin and you're my teddy bear. We can all sing them. So it was very interesting, but I could sing other bits. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like Hush by Mountain, I hadn't heard for ages, but it was. <sighs> it lacked the Julie Andrews, which they all desperately wanted at the time, but obviously she was doing Mary Poppins. No, not Mary Poppins. She was doing the sound of music, so she didn't do that instead. So yeah that's it that's the rundown for the last one i um that it took a little while but i did go off one and i did about a five minute chat about the traitors as well um so yeah hopefully there's something in there you'd like to go and see in the cinema or on streaming or just at home um the a to z of physical media by the way is restarting it's restarting right now <laughs> well actually for me in about like 30 minutes time um but VA to Z of physical media is restarting. Um, so we will be getting back onto that soon as well. Um, so that's that. So yeah, hopefully there's some stuff there that you'd like to watch. <laughs> it is currently the 8th of January. Last night was the Golden Globes. So let's talk about it. Um, for the first time in about six years, the Golden Globes were on TV on on. British television, which is like, oh, so I spent a good section of um, weekend that's just passed for me um, trying to find out where it was. Turns out it was on Paramount Plus, which is a streaming service, which I don't have, which is also partly through Sky, which I don't have. And you had to have the advanced package for it. Yeah, so I didn't watch it. Um, I stayed up up until a certain point of a red carpet which you all will know that as code for when softly arrived bless him even his sling is coordinated with his outfits at the moment it's so bless him apparently he fell down some stairs at his dad's house in chile so yeah bless him bless you pedro um 
pink and purples were the rage of the red carpet. Um, Florence obviously looked insane. Um, and yes, um, Helen Mirren also looked absolutely brilliant. Kerry Mulligan looked stunning. Um, Barry and his reds all looked, yeah. It was, a, it was a pretty decent night for fashion. Um, the only person I was a little bit upset about, but then I realised what they were wearing was Bella. Uh, Bella turned up in um, trousers and a shirt, which is fair enough, you know. Not everyone wants to go on to red carpet in a dress, and she, they are still young. So, But then someone pointed out that that dress, no, that suit, is so much like um, Pedro's first The Last of Us outfit press tour that he did in Brazil which would make sense so she's echoing from the past and the future but yeah it worked so yeah there were some good looks on red carpet um obviously our boy looked stunning Ryan Gosling as well ah and Robert Downey looks so cool I mean he always looks so cool so yeah good on him um I haven't watched the opening vlog I've seen bits about it. Um, I've also seen bits about the fact that it wasn't well received within the room, or with critics, or with viewers, or with um, actually the producers now. So it's not it's not the best thing, is it? That that's the case. Um, but you know, that is what it is. So yeah, um, we're now going to very quickly run through um, what one everything um including the tv even though half of the tv i haven't watched because i haven't got around to it on now tv yet, or it's in america or i actually have no interest in it that's basically what one let's go through it um best um stand-up comedy performance went to ricky gervais's armageddon um a supporting actress went to elizabeth debecky for the crown and actor went to matthew mcfadden for succession um da -da -da, where's my thing gone um, best um, acting performance um, belonged to in limited series belonged to Stephen Yun or um, for Beef and Ali Wong for Beef. Um, best um, TV performance for actors and actresses in a musical or comedy went to Jeremy Allen White for The Bear and Ao Adebri for The Bear. Um, best actress went to Sarah Snook for drama for Succession and Kieran Culkin, um also for Succession for the actor. Obviously, um, that was a Succession overload for everyone in that. Um, and obviously, we weren't hoping that he were going to win. We were hoping that it would split the vote and that our boy would win. Um, he didn't. He looked very gracious in his defeat. He did a new meme, which we're all very happy about. Um, and, yeah, um, and then uh, Kieran... Um, roasted him and said, hello, this is mine now, Pedro, not yours, sorry, even though they both kind of agreed for that would be the thing, because they both um, at that round table thing sat around and went, maybe um, you'll win the Golden Globe and the Emmy, no, you'll win the Golden Globe and the Emmy, and it went back and forth, so that made sense that he roasted him, it was good. Um, Beef won limited series, but Bear won musical comedy and Succession won best drama, there is no surprises there based on the rest of that. Known for the team, for the film part of the awards. I still don't know why we do it all. I don't know why we miss out some stuff. It's very weird. Oh, well. Um, best original song went to What Was I Made For by Billie Eilish for Barbie. Um, Ludwig Grosen for Oppenheimer won Best Score. 
Best Screenplay went to Justine Terry and Arthur Harai for Anatomy of the Pool. Best Director. Finally, Christopher Nolan <laughs> for Oppenheimer. If you've not worked out, but Christopher Nolan directed Oppenheimer, where have you been? Where have you been? Um, I watched it at lunchtime because I didn't get to round to it this morning before I got up and left for work, and it was snowing at lunchtime. I know, we've had snow. What? We don't have snow here. I live by the bloody beach. I had to get an inch of snow off my car before I got today. I should right now be sitting in the cinema, but because the road is icy and the top road's shut, so all the traffic's come down this way, I don't trust the other drivers to get me to and from the cinema safely. So, yeah, this is why you're getting this now and not what's it. I haven't been very productive. I've just gone off on a tangent. So lunchtime, because it snowed and I didn't go out, um, I watched um, Nolan's Globe speech. He had 90 seconds. 90 seconds. I know we've got a lot of awards, but I don't know as many as the Oscars. But he had 90 seconds to thank a lot of people. And he actually still went, oh, I've got to wrap up, have I? No, 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 no. You let that man speak. You let anyone that wins Best Director speak, because that is basically, that's the award. It is. There's no denying it. It is. So, yeah, because it covers both comedy and what's it. I never understand this. Why half of the awards are split into comedy and music and drama and everything else. It's just weird. Which then brings us on to what was the best overall supporting actress. Uh, Divine Joy Randolph won it for The Holdovers. Um, I actually only saw a trailer for that this week, finally, because I've been trying to avoid it. And I was like, okay. So I had no idea what it was about. So now I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Robert Downey Jr. won Best Supporting Actor. Um, I have a friend who is very excited and loves Robert Downey Jr. And uh, she's now sitting there and I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is going to be your spring girl. Your man's going to do it. She's like, yes. Uh, best performance in a musical or comedy for an actress went to Emma Stone for Poor Things and Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers. Um I haven't seen either, both come out soon, so we'll do that. Um, best performance in a drama went to Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon and Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer. Oh, finally. Finally, my man's got some recognition. Oh, this is like up there, like for years, been sitting there busy and really needs it, needs it, needs For a very long time, I've sat here again, like Killian Murphy needs recognition. No one's ever given it to him. Now he has. And then his wife kissed him and he couldn't get the lipstick off his nose. It was adorable. Was like, oh. um, the um, cinematic and box office achievement went to uh, Barbie. This was uh, the Globe's new award um, where they award it for something that did extremely well in the box office. And Margot Robbie's speech about thank you all for dressing up, doing the memes, doing the posters, um, go and see it and buying it and watching it and singing the songs and doing the dances. It's been insane because yeah and she turned up as um red carpet barbie as well for the government globes good honor on brand good girl non-english film went to anatomy of the fall in for france which isn't actually um that much of a surprise i am still gutted but i didn't actually see it um animated film went to the boy in heaven i'm very glad i haven't watched that um i also didn't realize this was the guy's last film when i watched it so yeah, that was like, oh, okay, fine, fair enough. Um, best picture for musical and comedy went to Poor Things. Um, again, haven't seen it. 
Um, we'll be seeing it next week, probably. Um, or you will hear me say that I have seen it on Friday. <laughs> There'll be nothing in between. Um, and best drama went to some little independent film called Oppenheimer. <laughs> Three hours and 11 seconds. Happy days. Ah, yes. <laughs> There's a picture um, of Nolan standing there with an envelope holding the gun globe, and Matt Damon is hugging him, and Florence Pugh is just laughing to the side of him. If people in the future ask me, you know, when people ask, oh, you can have people alive or dead at a dinner party of your choice, and you can pick the topic who are you having, you can have five people plus you. Um, I'm going to show them that picture and then go, I need to think of two more <laughs> because that would just be in. Insane. It'd be ridiculously insane, and I would love every single second of it. Um, also, um, back to Pedro. Um, he's woken up this morning um, and has posted all of his going there pictures. Um, and then he's posted a very hung over picture um, of him. And because he's broken whatever, he's broken or strained it, and he's got it in a sling. Um, he's had his nails for nail varnish, the words, ouchie written on them and he's just sitting there and he's just holding his hand again ouch which i'm guessing is also due to the head so bless him so that's what happened at the gun globes the tv was very predictable and in theory so was the film but we all thought that barbie would get a few more bits um emma stone's been real shock there for um comedy actress everyone thought it was finally going to go to a margot robbie but it didn't so yeah that was what happened at the Globes. Again, sorry, I haven't watched it in full because, um, you know, um, I don't have the access to it, but I'm sure that makes a bit of sense. So, yeah, let me know what you think about Globes. Obviously, I don't predict the Globes. The Globes are very weird within themselves, but I'm now hoping that the Golden Globes are very weird and it just goes predictable and boring and Oppenheimer sweeps the board throughout the rest of the year because that would be fantastic. So, yeah, that is what I thought about this year's Golden Globe winners. This will either take forever or will take five minutes. There'll be nothing in between. So obviously when I did my last um, podcast, it was the awards. And we very quickly at the introduction went, blah, 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 are what you've been watching at the cinema and at home. We never went into it. Therefore, because this week is a little bit quieter for stuff, we are going to go through the lot. We are going to go through four weeks worth of what you've been watching at home and at the cinema. So let's get on with that, shall we? We will start with the week of, um, hang on, why is that not showing on there? Oh, this is a normal podcast and everything's falling apart. Start happy days. Okay, so the week up to the 20th of December, Oppenheimer was number one still. That was then followed by Love Actually at two, Equalizer three at three, Elf was at four, The Expendables four was at five, Indian Jones of Madonna Destiny was at six. The Mighty Paw Patrol movie was at seven. The Polar Express was at eight. Violent Night was at nine. And The Great Escaper was at ten. We're not going to go through all of the rest of the bits within that. The following week, the 27th of December chart, there was a change at number one. Love Actually was the most watched film at home. Um, good on it. Um, Elf was second. Oppenheimer dropped to three, Equalizer three dropped to four, Polar Express was five, Barbie was six, Violet Night was seven, Dial of Destiny was eight, After Christmas was nine, and Day of Reckoning Part One was at ten. Then, for the week up to the 3rd of January, 
Love Actually remained at number one and Elf remained at number two. Barbie was then number three, The Polar Express was four, Equalizer three was at five, Violet Night was six, Oppenheimer was seven, Day of Reckoning part eight was, uh, part one was at <laughs> Ah, um, Super Mario Bros was at nine, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation was at ten. So yeah, you've all been doing a lot of Christmas watching over those three weeks when you're all off. And then we get to last week, which I had no idea what was come out on streaming or anything like that. Um, and so I'm shocked when I see the words "The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes" is number one. I'm like, huh? I went and saw that like two weeks ago. Back. Now, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes is number one up to the 10th of January. Barbie was at two, Oppenheimer was at three, Equalizer three was at four, Super Mario Bros was at five, Day of Reckoning was at six, Dumbledore was at seven. That's very interesting. Uh, Paw Patrol the Mighty Movie was at eight, Indiana Jones and Dun Destiny was at nine, and Trials Band Together was at ten. I am going to actually go through this list a little bit to see if there's anything else. Elvis moved up the chart. Because um, obviously Priscilla came out, but there wasn't much else. It was just all Christmas films dropping out, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's about that for that one. So. so, yeah, you were watching Oppenheimer and then Christmas films and now The Hunger Games at home. So that is very interesting to see that. Now for the interesting part. I need to make sure I've got these in the correct order. Yes, I do. Because <laughs> I said my first time and I was going, I'm going to check that. And, then I was, and yeah. So, for the weekend of the 15th to the 17th of December, Wonka was still number one in the UK box office. It was its second weekend and it took £6.3 million. Pounds. Godzilla minus one was at two, taking 816,000. Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes took 612,000 at three. Wish took 587,000 at Four. Napoleon took four hundred ninety-nine thousand at five. Saltburn took three hundred two thousand at six. Animal took one hundred eighty-one thousand nine hundred sixty at seven. That's important. The Nutcracker Royal London Royal Opera House London Ballet, um, which was the live performance, um, took one hundred eighty thousand eight hundred twenty-six at eight. Yeah. I love it when stuff like that happens. Well, it's going to get even more interesting. Elf, for the 20th anniversary, was at nine, and that took 170,812. The reissuing of Home Alone was at 10, and that took 170,104. That is a difference of 708 pounds. What the heck? Ah, yeah, that's crazy, but good on it. Um, there was other um Christmas films within this list. Um, Home Alone, Escaped in Lost in New York, Polar Express, It's a Wonderful Life, Love Actually, After Christmas. They were all appearing in there, and The Snowman and the Snow Dogs was in there as well. So good on them for that week. Then for um. The weekend um, up to Christmas Eve, which obviously I told you I went to the cinema on Christmas Eve, so I actually count towards these figures, kind of. Um, we had a big release that weekend, so we were all expecting something to change. Wonka was number one. This is week three, by the way. 7.234 million in week three. 
Aquaman came second. Everyone was thinking Aquaman might top it. No, it didn't. Aquaman took 2.484 million at two. Dunkey? I believe that's correct. Dunkey took 707,000 at three. Wish took 658,000 at four. Salad took 394,578 at five. The 20th anniversary of Elf took 393,577 at six. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snake took 309,000 at seven. Home Alone took 304,000 at eight, It's a Wonderful Life took 269,000 at nine, and The Polar Express took 255,000 at ten. Uh, the Die Hard um, 30th Anniversary uh, additional film, which I, ha- I actually saw when it was 30th Anniversary of it, um, took 110,000 at 14. Good on it. The Muppets Christmas Carol as well took 206,000 um, at 13, so good on that that week. So that's interesting to see about Wonka held off from Aquaman so then let's look at next week which is a very weird week because so many films have their release dates on the Tuesday of that week uh, because um, to get people into the cinema after Christmas when you've all got your family around from Boxing Day okay it wasn't necessarily about any kid friendly films but there was still that because you know I went to the cinema twice within this period as well so what was number one that week Wonka you ready 6.672 million didn't actually drop dropped four percent it's ridiculous um ferrari was in second place taking 1.981 million aquaman was third taking 1.732 million the boy and the heron well done people um took 1.640 million at four anyone but you took one two five three one point two five three million at five and wish took one point zero one nine million at six the top six are all earning oh well two to six are all took over a million pound yes one two three of them had come out that week and one was relatively new but that is still impressive but that's the case and then Wonka absolutely still annihilated a lot of them uh, next goal wins came in seventh, um, taking eight hundred eighty eight thousand eight hundred and forty four thousand at seven. The Ballad of Songbirds and Snake took four hundred eight thousand at eight. Napoleon took two hundred seven thousand at nine, and Godzilla minus one took two hundred fifty eight thousand at ten. So that's uh, just checking the dates. So that was up to the thirty first. November up to about yep, because I'm doing the same. So now we're up to the weekend of the 15th, 7th of January, 2024. Hmm. Wonka won the box office again. Bit of a drop off this time, but you know, it's it was going to happen at some point. However, it still won the box office and it still took 3.779 million. Good on it. One Life came second, taking 3.324 million. Priscilla took 1.326 million at three. Anyone but you took 1.094 million at four. Aquaman of Lost Kingdom took 938,000 at five. The Boy and the Heron took 795,265 at six. Uh, Wish took 627,000 at seven. Ferrari, massive drop off, took 599,000 at eight. Note Swim took 590,000 at nine. And a Ballad of Songbirds of Snake. Despite the fact that it won the home chart that weekend, um, took one hundred eighty-three thousand at ten. 
It's also quite interesting that Saltburn is on is always just on the bottom of the list. It's always 15 or 16-ish. And it's also interesting that Saltburn does not count towards your um home streaming list because it's prime and because it's not actually had a general physical sales list within that. So that's very interesting to see there. Um obviously you've all now seen Saltburn. Um, so we also need to give a massive shout out to Sophie Ellis Bexter. Um, because when I talked to you about Saltburn, I said that at the end of the film, I need you all to come and speak to me about various bits. But once you've seen the film, you would all do what I would happen at the end if you had the money and you had done all that. Which then I've now since had loads of people come up to me and go, oh my God, you're so right. Yes, no, I would do that. Yes, I would. Uh, so, ha. Um, so, yeah, that's been very much a Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but Sophie Ellis Bexter's A Murder on the Dance Floor um, has gone back into the singles chart. Um, and it slowly crept back up. And it never got to number one originally. It hasn't at the moment. It's at number two. But for that to be number two 23 years later, and what is quite funny is when you're sat in traffic and it comes on in the car, and you hear, obviously, everyone has different radio stations or whatever, but quite a few people, most people listen to Radio 1 or Radio 2. Um, and the number of people that you can see in their car when it comes on, if they are a new person to it or an original person to this song, and if they're an original person, the arms go. It's hilarious. <laughs> so it's very, very good. I'm very happy that she's got there, so... That took her a while, but it needed to be done. I wanted to let you know exactly what you missed out on on the previous podcast. And as I said earlier, we had time this week, so I thought I should, because next time we're going to have to do Oscars and BAFTA nominations. We just will never get around to playing catch up on what you all watched when it was Christmas break. Because you all know what I watched. You all listened to that for fucking ages last time. So, yeah. Christmas movies, The Hunger Games, and Wonka. And it's all burn on Prime. That's what you've all watched. Hopefully there's some stuff within that very quick, even though it was long, chat about it. Although actually, for man an extra week, it normally takes about five to six minutes for me to do this each time, so this makes sense. So, yeah, it's about the same. It's just added on a little bit. So, yeah, hopefully there's stuff in there that you enjoyed watching or that you will now go and watch. Mainly Saltburn. Mainly, mainly watch Saltburn. It is time for this fortnight's big review. Um, I haven't had that many trips to the cinema, mainly because snow mucked me over. I was supposed to go and see um, The Boys in a Boat um, as an advanced preview. And then we, as a weird thing, because if we get it here, it doesn't stick around, but it did. We got actual snow. I say that. It wasn't that big you could literally if you touched it and you tried to make it into a ball of ball and melt however it was so cold that um some of it didn't actually melt away it started on the monday at nine o'clock um the last bits of it melted away on the thursday it was that cold so there was ice everywhere um but we over here we're getting this is going to sound really weird we're getting a new roundabout <laughs> um and it's taken nearly two years from the build it mainly because the company were building that part of the road we're into administration um and they're shutting the main road that connects um where i live to brighton basically we're doing it for the next 12 weeks every night so that road is shut so you have to go along the seafront 
or you have to cut up and do all of that. So that's that. So the seafront had extra traffic on it and was going to be icy and covered in snow. And I can trust myself to drive in the snow, but not other people. So I didn't go. And I was actually quite relieved because when I was looking at my phone later on that evening when I went to bed, I went, oh, there was two accidents tonight on the A259. I was like, I made the right choice. I really did. So I'm glad that I didn't go. So, yeah, there was one less film that was going to be an option for me to watch for this one night. So I've decided to go with what was the first option. Um, and the first film that I saw in the cinema in 2024. Um, and that was One Life, um, which is being billed as It's Me, Anthony Hopkins' uh, film about the video and the story that everyone's seen at different points, which went a bit more viral um, about five years ago about the guy who saved all the kids um from uh what was um Yugoslavia and Czech Republic um and Czechoslovakia and all of that area um and put all the kids on the train um in a couple of camps and got them to safety within the UK and then you've all seen the meme you've all seen the what's it so you know roughly what does happen in real life and that he get it's he takes his notes um that he has um and someone sees it and they then go oh i'd like to look at this and we go oh we think we found someone and then he goes on tv show and he meets someone and then he goes on it again he thinks he's gonna meet two more people and the entire audience um either was saved by him or had a sister or brother or cousin that was saved by him or their parent was so yeah You've all seen that meme. So Anthony Hopkins is the much um, older gentleman that is in it, who's looking all sad as well. Like, um, but it's actually um, Johnny Flynn that is the, um, I'd say he's the lead in this. He's got the most amount of legwork. He's got to get the kids on the train. Um, obviously, it's the real life guy um, that um, deserves a praise for it. But yeah, it was... Johnny Flynn was really good in it. He was the best part of the film. Um, what was quite weird was when it finished, some people in my cinema applauded. And I went, wow, that good. <laughs> it was still good and it was still emotional. It's still like, oh, but I think the fact that because you've seen the meme and you know, well, not the meme, but um, video and the clips and you've seen all of that and you've seen it all recently, that you know that he gets all kids to safety. You, because you watch it in the flashback, you know that's the case, and you know that there's going to be something like that. So unless these people did not know that this was the case, then that's very weird, because I think a lot of people do. Um, Helena Bonham Carter was good, um, but wasn't in it enough for her to have a big enough impact. She's just there to be a bit stern and be a lovely figure, because guess what? That's what Helena Bonham Carter's job is now. <laughs> good honour. Um also, um, Jonathan Price um, turned up being the guy later on in the film. I was like, oh, okay. But you spend the entire film rowing a little bit about, oh, he might burn the books because someone's come to stay over Christmas. And then when people come to stay over Christmas, there's only like two or four of them that come to stay. I was expecting there to be a lot more people coming around for that Christmas thing where you had to clear up all that room for. It was like, Oh, no, 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 we just need this, whatever. Um, also, I love the fact that he slams the door on the press guy. That was like, yes. 
was a nice way to start the film year. Nice little casual role into it, you know, a real life story about a true hero um, who was just like, right, we'll do that. Um, also, the whole drama of Arvkins from getting the train and what's going to happen with this one and what's going to happen with that one. And there were certain lines that were said, just like, oh, I need to pick that up later on because that will be important. Then when certain people appear, but like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember this. And oh, yeah, I remember him doing That's why he does that because it's linked to this child and that and blah, blah, blah. And um, the fact that they all had to just get out at a moment's notice, they always had to be prepared that that would be the case and that they'd be in trouble and that they might not make it out. But it was a huge risk doing it. I know that then he ended up being at home, busy doing all the logistics from home and doing all of that, but it was still it was still a huge logistics for the people that were left behind as well to actually get those kids and get them on that train and promise them they'd be okay. <sighs> It was a nice start to the year, definitely. Um, I don't think he's going to get um, Oscar nominations galore for it, but it was it was all right. It was it was a nice, good start to the year, and yeah, it just felt right. And it was it's the correct kind of film that would be Oscar bait. Um, I can see why they've made it. It is a good story to tell. It is emotional. I can imagine that some people that were affected by that and are here because of that would find it extremely emotional. Um, but I do think the fact that it is so often it appears on your feed as something else that you go like, oh, oh, I know that. I know why this makes sense. I know why they do that. So, yeah. So, yeah, that was One Life. Um, it is still out in cinemas for you to be able to go and watch. Um, probably not during um, non-working hours anymore, but it is worth you having to dig out to find. And, yeah, um, Hopkins is good, but it's all about Johnny Flynn. And he is properly doing all the legwork in the emotional part of the film. I know that the end of it is emotional because he gets to meet all those people and he has the reunions. Uh, this is actually weird because I can actually talk about this film entirely um, because it's common knowledge and it appears on everyone's feed at least once a year. So it's not like, oh, oh, she's part of this and she's part of that. But if you are watching that film and you don't know what happens and the TV show he ends up on, then... I feel sorry for all you because that's not appearing on your feed and you've not sat for at some point in the last five years and gone, oh, or you didn't watch it when it happened because when I told my mum about it, she went, oh, I remember watching that on TV. I was like, oh, okay, fine. So, yeah, you're either of that generation where you did watch it on TV or you've since found it on your phone because someone's linked to your video to and gone, oh, so, yeah. That was one life. It is worth dig out. It's a nice, pleasant little start to the year of film for sure. Cinema Club 2024 is up and running. That is that for this fortnight's episode. Thank you all so much for listening. It's always really appreciated that you know you bother to give up some time to listen to me grab it on and talk about films and everything else in between. We are back in two weeks' time, as usual, on the 31st of January. We are going to have a pretty long episode, because by then we will have both the BAFTAs 
and Oscars nominations. Oh, hoo hoo hoo! Possibly Golden Raspberries as well. Um, so yeah, that might be a long one. We might just be flying through stuff on that one. But until then, you know where to find me. It's popcorn underscore four underscore one on Twitter, Instagram, Letterbox, and Threads, and it's popcornone.co.uk for the actual blog in its entirety. But until the 31st of January, which for me it's the end of my year, so we might really be flying through. We might be all kind of stuff all over the place. Who knows? Um, but yeah, until then, look after yourselves, be good to one another, and the rest will take care of itself. Take care, besties. Bye.